Welcome to Three Devs and a Maybe, the podcast series for beginner web developers and general web enthusiasts. Now, introducing your show hosts, Michael Budd, Fraser Hart, Lewis Keynes, and Ed Mann. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another thrilling episode of Three Devs and a Maybe. I am joined by my usual co host, Ed Mann. Hello. Fraser Hart. Hello. <laughs> and we have a very special guest on today in the form of Bo Simonson. Welcome, Bo. Hello, thank you, and welcome. Oh, thank you very much for, uh, for coming on. Uh, I should point out at this stage that um, we have no Lou today, and we might not have Lou for a little while. I uh, can't give a definitive uh, timeline on that, but he busy, is a busy, very busy, busy. busy man, and he certainly uh, find it a little bit hard with juggling everything at the moment so um secretly a 007 agent or double o agent pretty much that's they will be back at some point so uh oh, i thought it was like a space. tom jones convention that was going on for quite a long time <laughs> or something but yeah i think that's right but he's on tour he's, like he's got a road, gig in so, las vegas yeah. and uh yeah, yeah, yeah. a good. residency i think a resi- it is, that's yeah. it a residency in las vegas <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh tweet him for information on tickets but i, I don't really know too much about it but uh, yeah. i'm sure he'll be happy to help out on that so, uh, <laughs> so let's start for you, Ed. Good week, bad week. It's been a great week, yeah. Um, but before, I mean, I'm going to have to direct on you, sir. Y- mm. You've got a little baby boy now. Yeah, oh, yeah. congratulations my... in order. You Thank know, you very much. Thank Way. you very much. It Wait, happened. is this the first one we've done since you've had the baby? This yeah. is the first one he's done. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. well, congrats. Yeah. Thank you very much. I, I saw as well by the your dad. Is that all right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, how many you got? Just one. Or uh, we just got the one. Yes. Same as my first. So, uh, how old is uh, yours? Uh, he's three and a half. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. is it easier? Oh, at his age? Does, <laughs> does it get easier? Is the question? <laughs> hand me down, folks. Yeah, yeah it, it 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 will eventually get easier, and then it gets harder, and then easier, and then harder. Yeah, and then easier, sure. and then harder. About <laughs> <laughs> the time you get it figured out, everything changes. So. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I could do this now. Why do you do this? Throw me a cable. Yep. <laughs> Uh, I have to say, uh, yeah, little Toby, he's uh, he's good as gold, actually. He's very little hassle. Uh, he's sleeping perfectly and feeding perfectly. So, uh, and being and sick that... perfectly over you yeah. when we meet you, which is always great. <laughs> oh, so, that was amazing, yeah. That was a record. Yeah, like, we, we went to see Michael. Out. Yeah, was it last weekend that we we came to see you? Yeah, it was last weekend. Then uh, yeah. it was kind of like passing the baby around. like everyone, Everyone's like cuddling the baby and stuff. And then the second Michael gets him back, he throws off all over him. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I changed three times that day. That was a record. Yeah, I loved it. You then said, yeah, this is my second change this, this morning. So <laughs> yeah. it was quite great. Exactly. But uh, yeah, just sort of uh, juggling that is, yeah, it's, it's been tiring. Obviously, it's like week three and juggling work, baby. And How does programming else. help with uh, having a baby? Do you give any confidence, like knowing programming, like good with that, understanding, um, big O notation? No, no, we're all screwed. Then, <laughs> lovely. You know, oh dear. I guess the the real benefit we've got is um, I don't know about you guys, but you know I'm lucky that I can work from home a few days a week, and that that definitely helps uh, a real lot. So we're lucky in that that respect. We can work from anywhere, right? So yeah, yeah, that's been really helpful, I have to say. And definitely. YouTube. Because obviously, you know, if you get you know stuck, you just YouTube it and and Wikipedia articles and get scared. Exactly, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, back to you, Ed. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, week, no, it's been great, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. lovely Work weather now. Good. Our our summer now is gone in a good old England. Uh, the rain has started again, which is always great. Um, yeah. To talk about the weather naturally as English people. I was going to say, Bo, your your co-host for your podcast, he's an English guy, right? 
Yeah, yeah where was um, he from? Yeah, what's the, you know, I can't remember exactly the town, but I think it's by uh, Hull. He sounds Yorkshire-ish. Yeah, well, I think Ed thought it was maybe Burnley or something. Burnley, Barnsley. Um, no, I, I think he's by Hull. Is there Hull? That's on yeah. the eastern. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's right around there. I think oh, okay. I, I think he says that's the biggest city near him. So yeah. Okay. So, so how do you guys how do you guys know each other? Uh, we met each other in the Silex channel on IRC. Okay. And um, we we spent a lot of time talking actually. And the first time we met in person, and the only time we met in person was at Symphony Live Portland last year. Yeah. Uh, he he was giving his first presentation, I believe, and it was my first presentation. So we we were at the same conference, or both both of us had the same first conference. So it was pretty fantastic. Cool. And whose yeah, idea so was if you guys to to kind of band together and do a podcast? Um, I think I take the responsibility for that yeah. a little bit. Uh, he he sort of got me hooked on podcasts. Uh, yeah. he introduced me to uh, the Texing podcast, and I, that was the first one I really listened to. So okay. I listened to that quite a bit, and um, I enjoyed it a lot, and was you know kind of enjoyed that format. So I was like, yeah, this sounds like these people are just like normal people, but they sound really cool because they're talking about yep. their daily lives, but they're just normal people. I think I could probably do that. That might be kind of fun. So I, I kind of started yeah. hinting to him about it and he's like, yeah, let's do it. So awesome. Yeah. yeah. I'm really sorry, you guys, if you can hear the baby crying, but uh, <laughs> I'm trying to escape cat and baby. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I just saw a. Uh, I wasn't stalking you, but I just Googled you before the show, and actually, I can see your uh, your little boy on. It's like one of the first things that appears actually when you Google your name. So really, very cool. Yeah, great yeah. SEO work. That's like great a, SEO yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll have to uh, do that. I I didn't know that you showed up that that prominently. <laughs> <laughs> it's a celebrity. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Fraser, uh, how's your week been? All right. Yeah, it's been it's been fine, mate. Well, obviously we've had the yeah. the long weekend. Um, yes. So. Lately, I've been working on, uh, saying to you guys, I just started working on a project that's going to have me kind of get my hands dirty with uh, .NET for the first time ever. Um, I was a bit kind of apprehensive about it because I wasn't really that bothered about working in .NET, but it's kind of, it'll be a, a good thing to, to have on my, my CV. And uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. And like I say before, anyway, like whenever I'm learning stuff, it's, it's always when I'm enjoying myself the most. So I think that's going to be a really interesting project. Um, but yeah, it's, it's still kind of early days and I've only been working on the front end. So I'm, I'm, I'm still very, very yeah. kind of at the early stages of it. But yeah, it, it should be, it should be a, a, a good little project, I think. I'm it's quite really jealous, well. man. We know that uh, obviously we had a podcast with C Sharp versus Java and, uh, C Sharp came out on top. Uh, <laughs> boom. So there <laughs> you go, you know, you win. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. Um, yeah. And apart from that, like obviously with, with the long weekend, um, I, Decided to ride my bike over to France after work on on Friday, which was you a bit actually of a, did bit that. Of a I did it, yeah. It it took me, oh my, including God. the ferry because the ferry was like two hours, and it took me thirteen or fourteen hours door to door. So it was, yeah. And then I, I was thinking of riding back, but it was, yeah, the weather was too bad, so I got a lift to the ferry and then got the train back from the ferry on this end. But yeah, You're slacker. Firstly, um, I know absolutely. And secondly, that's insane. I remember you talking about it last week. So how many yeah, miles yeah, was man. that? Sorry, it was. About a hundred and hundred and thirty, hundred and forty. Wow. So it was like yeah, it was like sixty down to the down to the channel and then sixty wow. on the other end. But yeah, so Word, I picked that man. box anyway. So I won't have to do that one again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so, so what, what was this Sorry. what was this long weekend? What what, what I, I I don't know what holiday this was. Yeah, it's bank holiday weekend in uh, Yeah it, it, yeah, it's. I was gonna say UK, but probably not UK, right? Probably just England. Oh, no, I think it's UK, now, isn't it? Yeah, 
No, I think I it's, yeah, it's like a, a bank holiday, so it's a public holiday, and there's, there's yeah. always one at the end of, like, the last weekend yeah. in August, and then I think we get them in May and around yeah. Christmas time as well, and it's just yeah. like you get a Monday off work, and it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's this means an extra long weekend, which is good. You just do weird weekend, stuff like, you know, cycle to France. Ride to France. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah why not? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so what were your initial thoughts of uh, C-Sharp anyway? You, you like it, or...? To be honest, I, I've not touched you enough to, so to, 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 to say Java's I've, no, I've been, Yeah, yeah, Java's way better. But oh, yeah, this time next week I should have an opinion. But um, yeah. yeah, I've literally installed Visual, uh, Visual Studio. Is it Visual Studio Express? Whatever it is. Yeah, I've installed that heavy, heavy piece of software that I'm not too happy about. Um, and uh, yeah, I've just been working on CSS and, and the templates and stuff now. So I've, I've not really got too far into it. So I, I can't really give uh, an educated opinion just yet, I'm afraid. Okay. Well, that's quite interesting. I mean, I, I've heard good things about Visual Studio. Everyone seems to uh, rave about it, but um, yeah, interesting. So, uh, Bo, did you want to uh, introduce yourself, I guess, and just tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Um, you've got an impressive CV of stuff, so I'll let you go for it if you're happy. Yeah, sure. Um, I've, I've been programming professionally since 1998. I've uh, been using a, a wide variety of uh, languages and tools since then. I currently have my own consulting company that I've been working on since, I don't know, maybe three or four years. I've been mostly independent probably for almost a decade. Uh, I had a partner for a little while. Um, but yeah, this last year I've been kind of ramping up my consulting stuff. So I've been spending a lot of time this year doing that. Uh, I'm also the co-founder and chief software architect for Reflex Labs. Uh, we have a wearables product uh, called Boogio that is kind of right now starting to get a little more uh, a little more press and a little more you know excitement out there so that's kind of cool uh, i created sculpin uh, have any of you used sculpin? i have you have excellent awesome nice yeah i have uh, not know oh we've got we've got lag here yeah. now <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah so i i created sculpin about maybe i started working on that maybe two or three years ago uh, it was right when i first uh, started using Symphony components, actually. Yeah, I wasn't sure if the language... <laughs> and again, Symphony. oh, dear. Everyone uh, no, no, right? else is fine. Um, I love it that Fraser's Fraser is the closest to me, and uh, he's the one with the most lag. Isn't that great with technology? Yeah, technology is, is awesome. Sorry, Bo, you, you, you were saying... <laughs> oh, no, that's fine. So, yeah, I, I created Sculpin. Uh, it's very similar to Jekyll. I think we might talk about it a little bit later. Um, I worked with Igor to help create Stack, and uh, I'm actually a uh, one of the voting representatives for PHP Fig. Uh, Sculpin was uh, accepted as a member project last year, and I think at the end of last awesome. year. So I've been a, a voting member of PHP Fig. How are you Fig. enjoying that experience? Is it? You know, it's. Um, I would say throughout last year, it was really, really busy. Fig was, and basically since I got voted in, I have. I don't think there have been any major votes <laughs> so just wait you know uh, you know I, I did a lot so I, I did i did a lot of stuff coming in and then now I, like i didn't get to vote on psr4 for example I, I did a lot of work with like basically all of the the fig people that were working on psr4 um so i, I got to do that but uh i didn't get a vote on it so like i think the vote had already been underway by the time my ah. membership was accepted our skeleton's membership was accepted so i didn't actually get to vote on psr4 so i was a little bummed about that but you know, it, it, it was, it's still been, it's been, it's been a good experience. Fig has been kind of all over the place as far as like, 
you know, some people are really yeah, for it. Some it goes people all over the map, doesn't it? Where, as you say, like, you're either yeah. completely against it or completely for it, and there's no in between. You either, yeah, you're bought or yeah. sold. Yeah, so it's 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 been it's been interesting kind of seeing that dynamic, and even inside Fig, sometimes there's you know there can be really big camps for or against certain things. So uh, it it kind of gets a, a bad rap for that sometimes, but you know who, who doesn't? Well, so, I mean, you know, you're trying to do uh, a good thing. That that's the end. Of, I mean, that's the yeah. the thing, isn't it? It's like the end of the result yeah. isn't just for like you know your own gain at all. It's for the you know this the actual you know community's gain. Yeah. So and I think we've lost Fraser officially. Um, yeah, man. <laughs> I heard the ding, and it's like, and he's gone. Sorry, but actually, I should have said before. But how, how do you find juggling uh, being a dad and working, especially when it's like your own company and everything? It must must be hard. Um, yeah, it's pretty hard. I rely on my wife quite a bit. Yeah, um, she's she's super super uh, supportive of everything, and so you know, I mean, sometimes it means that I have to work on weekends. Sometimes it means I have to work really late. Yeah, uh, but on the other hand, it also means kind of like you were saying that, you know, I have a lot of flexibility so that I can help out if I really need to. You know, if she needs to go do something, I can watch Luke, or yeah. you know, I, I can start work at noon instead of at eight like I want to. Which sometimes yeah. that can cause a little little friction, but yeah. you know, it would you know, it's kind of you have to work as a team. So yeah. I, I have I have a lot of of uh, support there. So that's that's very cool. You know, the the reason that it works the best. You have similar sort of situation. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I mean, I, I guess one of the things I find like work from home is sometimes people think you're not working and then you're just available you to never do anything. Work, Mickey, <laughs> yes, uh, I think most of the time I like access like a computer hotline for my dad as well, which is uh, fun when he or if he's got like email problems or whatever. Mm. Uh, but yeah, definitely flexibility with uh, with Toby's it's really good. It just means that I can. You know, if I have to do like the night feed or whatever that I wake up in the morning on, I can have a little bit of a lie in and uh, my boss is pretty cool with uh, flexible hours. So, uh, yeah, it definitely helps 100%. Well, my first actual question, Bo, um, is how did you get into programming? I, I love mm. asking this question. I always think it's quite interesting. Yeah. Like what drew you into this crazy world? Yeah. So I, I feel like there's a couple of answers to that. Like I actually had a, um, a TRS 80 way back in the day, like, I don't know, second or third grade or first grade. Um, I don't even know why my parents bought one <laughs> because they weren't <laughs> programmers. They didn't. They just felt that you. Made yeah, the, you and, and I don't. Yeah, it's <laughs> probably a question I should ask them someday. Like, why did you get that? <laughs> and because they basically got it and it sat up on a shelf in the garage for a really long time before I, you know, well, for a really long time when you're like in first or second grade. And finally I was like, what is that? And they're like, oh, it's a computer. Do you want to play with it? <laughs> and so, wow. yeah. you know, I, I hooked it up and connected it to the TV and, you know, played with basic and, you know, it was all in, uh, every, you know, I, I didn't have any of the disk drives or the tape drives that came with it. So whatever I typed in would just go away whenever I turned off the computer. So, you know, that was kind of what things were like back then. And I had a lot of fun with it, but, you know, I didn't really do a lot with it, I guess. It wasn't until um, I think almost high school that I really started to do a little bit more. Started to have like actual programming that I could do, um, which was basically uh, Corn Shell. If any of you worked with Corn, oh, never. It's what basically uh, I, I I don't really remember what its background was. Uh, I think it was a AX system, AX, um, 
it was basically a, a bash or zish or anything along those lines but it was i think it was closer to like a c variant um so yeah so i i started to do a lot of stuff with that and started to do um wrappers around um you know like finger and talk and all of these different commands that you could do on a unix system um and yeah so most of my programming in the early days were just shell scripts which were really 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 way too complicated and like my first guestbook script was actually um I, I think it was actually uh shell because it would actually talk to some of the command line <laughs> tools like there were some like command line tools to decode http messages like the url encoding stuff so all of my guestbook stuff was basically just these massive massive shell scripts to read data in from environment variables and spit it back out into files or put them in different places so <laughs> That, that was pretty much what got me into it was this weird little environment of building stuff with shell scripts. That's awesome. And then, so what progressed? Did you go straight then to PHP like with the guestbook type thing? Go, I want to go on the web or? Um, actually, I went from uh, shell scripts to Perl uh, because I, I, I was working tech support slash webmaster for a little local ISP. And like we had like, you know, like, I don't know, 120, like uh, 128 bod modems. <laughs> You know, and like there were actual physical U.S. robotics modems that this guy had bought, and uh, it was pretty awesome. But anyway, they we would get tech support requests for people trying to do web stuff, and the the number one request that I remember getting was my guestbook doesn't work anymore, and it was an old Perl script guestbook.pl, and that was pretty much what got me into like real programming, like moving off of like shell scripts to actually looking at stuff was basically dig- debugging that script. And finally saying, you know what, I get enough questions about this, I should figure out what it's doing. So <laughs> This is a problem I know. Yeah, yeah, it's a problem. I need to understand why this doesn't work for, for, for my users and so that I don't have to keep digging into this every time. So, yeah, so I, 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 I transitioned from uh, Shell Scripts to Perl. And Perl really took me through, like, maybe 10 or 15 years. I was a big Perl programmer for a very long time. Cool. Yeah. And then that, and then after that was PHP or um, yeah, I think it was mostly PHP. Like the the big languages that I worked with, um, I would say like my my core language that was kind of like my my uh, my rock through different periods. I think it was probably Perl to PHP. Uh, I've I programmed a lot of different languages. I've done a lot. I've done a lot of C, C plus um, plus, Java, Ruby. Uh, you know, a whole variety of things, but there's always been like one big one that was kind of my focus. And I went from Perl straight, pretty much straight to PHP at that point. So what made you stick with PHP and then like the whole Ruby and stuff? Did that Was that just because it was what the project was entailed at that time and then going back or? Yeah, it was, it was, um, I kind of got thrown into a project that was already PHP and I hated it. <laughs> absolutely hated it there were like it was like a nest of includes and you didn't know why things were working the way they were there were people relying on globals and functions that were doing really really nasty things you know passing variables by reference just because they could not because they needed yeah, they didn't need to they just like well you know it's, it's a yeah. language feature i might as well take advantage of it yeah exactly um so i i, I spent a lot of time in that and um, I would say over the course of maybe six months, I really started to, to get a feel for PHP and trying to see how I could do it differently than what people were all, like, what this code base was already doing. And I just got, I got more excited about it and started to play with it a little bit more. And next thing I knew that I was starting new projects and I was opting for PHP instead of Perl and 
I don't remember explicitly making that decision. That's um, when you know you've broken up with Pearl and you know you've yeah. found this new lovely <laughs> language yep. named PHP. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, the, the funny thing is, like, I look at Pearl now and I can't read it. It's like this weird language. <laughs> it's it's not like going to, to Ruby or something that also is kind of like bizarre if you're not used to it. I knew Pearl inside out. That is yeah, you had like fourteen years of Pearl on it. Yeah, and I, I look <laughs> at it. Your brain has just shunned it off. It's like no. It's it's like this weird alien thing that I'm like, is this Pearl six? Like did they really change the syntax a lot? Because it looks so different than I remember it and I just can't I don't know. I, I open a Pearl script now and I'm like, wow. I, how, I wow. <laughs> it's I think crazy. six versions of any language are bad, you know. Let's just skip to seven and yep. we're okay. That 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 seems to be the uh, the general consensus here. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask actually. I mean, you, you just really answered it, but um, that transition from Perl to PHP. I've never played Perl at all. Is there any? I mean, what are the similarities? What are the differences? I guess. Um, I guess one of the big similarities, like out, like, is basically the Perl compatible regular expressions. Um, like yeah, that, that sure. came from Pearl, and yeah. so like all of my regex experience is basically Pearl. I mean, that's what I did almost all the time, and Pearl was playing with those regular expressions, so that feels really right. familiar. So even now, if I go to like Python, for some reason, anytime I pull up Python and I need to do a regex, I it takes me an hour to to <laughs> learn how to figure out how to do anything. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, when I look at the code, it's like, okay, well, I understand it worked, but I don't know why it didn't work when I first tried. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. weird. I don't, I don't know why, like, other languages' versions of regular expressions are different enough that it's kind of hard, but the, between Perl and PHP, they seem to be close enough that, you know, I, I get you them. You can right transition out. between yeah. them and, mm-hmm. yeah. And there were, there were a lot of Perlisms that I don't even remember what they all are anymore, but they, they, a lot of them were really nice. There were a lot of things that it did, um, to make basically, processing text really easy because uh, that was kind of what it was designed for originally was pro- processing text um, kind of like PHP was originally designed for making web pages Perl's focus was on recording and, and processing data in that that way so it, it does a lot of things really well but you just have to know how to do them and it can take a little while to, to figure yeah. them out and you forget them easily after 14 years <laughs> yes <laughs> that is a, that's a disclaimer on the language yeah <laughs> Um, so I suppose transitioning from that then, so, uh, you do a lot of open source work, Well, it seems like going, it's great, like the amount of open source work you do. And, uh, one of the projects that I really am interested in is stack PHP. Um, I'm just wondering what's your involvement? how do you get involved in that? And yeah, more particularly on, on stack, like whatever its goals and what is it trying to solve? Yeah. So, um, so I, I mentioned earlier that I, I talked to Dave a lot in the Silex PHP channel. And, um, the other, one of the other people who are in that channel a lot that, that both he and I talked to back probably more so like a year or so ago, uh, was Igor. And I, you're both familiar with Igor, I imagine. Igor Weedler. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I, at the time I was playing around with a project called Tent. Have either of you heard of Tent? I haven't. Ooh. Uh, Tent, Tent is, uh, I've, I've kind of had this on again, off again relationship with Tent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's, uh, it's basically a decentralized messaging system that, um, is sort of like diaspora, uh, but it has like broader goals or less goals. I'm not sure which. Anyway, it's, 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 it, it had, it had a lot of promise. And so I was pretty excited about it. And I was doing a lot of things with that project at the time. And, um, it was 
the server was written in Ruby. And, you know, I know enough about Ruby and Rails to not know if I'm looking at code, if it's a Rails app or not. Um, so I asked them about that and I said, hey, so, you know, I, I mentioned something about, you know, I'm not familiar with Rails. I'm like, well, it's not a Rails app. It's, they're all rack middlewares. So their entire application was basically written in rack middlewares. Just composed rack middlewares. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I was really enjoying how it was working. And um, so I had popped into the Silex PHP channel and I was like, hey, so what's the closest thing to rack in PHP? And that sort of started a conversation uh, between a couple of us, including Igor, on um, what basically Symfony's HTTP kernel interface was the rack interface, was kind of what we ended up with. As you know, basically you have your input and you have your output, and you're just dealing with HTTP on both sides of it. So um, it kind of went from there. We uh, talked about it a little bit more. Igor did a lot of the early work to kind of build the builder. Um, and sort of like set the architecture in place for all of it. And so, yeah, the, the goal of it was, um, I guess, to start doing more framework agnostic work, with the, at least within the Symphony framework, which sounds kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, anytime I say that, I'm like, yeah, it's this, this way to do framework agnostic middleware with this for Symphony. <laughs> um, but. In, in reality, you know... It's been adopted, hasn't it? That, yeah. That's the thing, yeah. Yeah. So the, the HTTP kernel interface has been adopted by Laravel. Um, I know that Drupal 8 is using it. I don't know if it's actually 100% compatible yet. Um, but, uh, let's see, I can't remember all of the other projects, but there's a bunch of projects that have been using HTTP kernel interface uh, as its core for, you know, input-output of HTTP requests. So... By building applications in stack, and, and there is no stack necessarily, it's basically just the convention. Uh, by building um, applications with stack conventions in mind, you can have the same code running in other, other frameworks. Rather than writing like a uh, Silex service provider or a Symfony bundle or a Laravel module or whatever Laravel stuff is called, uh, rather than writing code there, you can write this other piece of code that you can just put in front of any of these other applications and it just works. I think, because I think Laravel released uh, one of the middle, uh, cookie signing uh, middleware yep. or something. Yeah, so I think that's it's a very cool way. And also like things like sessions, like everyone deals with sessions in different ways and stuff, but then being able to wrap it, you know, yep. this is the session we want to use. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, one of the things that really takes me, I really love about Stack and I love about Rack and Whiskey and things like this is this kind of Unix philosophy. Mm-hmm. of you know pipes and, and and piping things together building yeah. up these things you know composing these things um and really kind of treating the request and the response as these like value objects that we shouldn't change um mm-hmm. of it which we can duplicate i think one of in one of igor's po- uh, blog posts i think i remember seeing like you know that really these can actually be like duplicated and kind of used in a this nice immutable way yeah um but i suppose the thing is with um the whole with with uh using this is that how do you find that adoption will take? Do you think there'll be a good adoption, like throughout the whole of the framework, like the framework scene, or do you think that really it needs someone like a, a PSR standard or Fig to kind of take in and say we want you know this to be the step? Like, do you think HTTP kernel interface will be the one that gets through to everyone? Or I really don't imagine that Symfony's HTTP kernel interface is going to be adopted by everybody everywhere. Mm. Um, I I have actually been a pretty strong proponent for um, 
breaking HTTP kernel interface into its own thing. Because right now in Symfony 2, um, the HTTP kernel interface is a part of HTTP kernel, which has a whole slew of dependencies. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that as long as that's the case, it would be a pretty hard sell to get anybody to really uh, start using HTTP kernel interface if they don't want to. Um, they they would ha- like like I can't imagine Zen Framework two using it <laughs> because that would just be too difficult. Um, however, if there was one pack like my 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 thought was it could be an HTTP Foundation, uh, which just has request and response and a handful of other things like HTTP Foundation. If that actually had this input output interface, uh, I think that would be a lot more um, portable. I think people might be more willing to use it, um, but. I don't know if that's going to happen. I know that yeah, there's talk about doing some things new in Symphony three, but I haven't I haven't been paying close enough attention to that to find out what they're doing. But uh, it sounds like uh, Fabian is actually considering the op- considering moving HTTP kernel interface somewhere else or breaking out kernel in such a way Ooh. that to use HTTP kernel interface you won't have to have so many dependencies. That would be very nice. That yeah. would make the barrier to entry a lot lower. Yeah. I suppose actually backtracking probably quite a bit is why do we need in PHP world this whole idea of a HTTP kernel interface? You know, like we've got the SAPI. Surely yeah. the server API should be, you know, it's the all wonderful globals and stuff. And I suppose me just saying globals is probably, you know, the, uh, yeah. the issue with it. Yeah, you know, and, and Stacks actually received some criticisms and not, not necessarily criticisms, but like pushback along the lines of why do we need this? And, you know, there there are a lot of ways to do things. And if you're if you're working with an interface like HP kernel interface anyway, then something like Stack can be incredibly useful to basically let you compose these this functionality on top of your application. But if you don't have something like that, or if you have other ways, you know, you can do things with events, you can do basically you can do these things other ways. The the whole reason that it's useful in this context is that you can write code that can run anywhere that uses the, that particular interface. And I suppose that the, the kind of the gift and curse of PHP was that we don't need because the SAPI is around, we don't we don't need it to make it run with HTTP. Obviously, that's the problem with it. Then that you know, like as the rack and whiskey and stuff come around because they need to solve that problem. Whereas we mm-hmm. almost we've solved it, but we've solved it probably in the wrong way um or the php way which we all love but yeah so that's probably the thing isn't it and yeah and and so i think long term um psr7 is the http message interface which basically uh standardizes uh requests and response um and which would be huge it would be huge and i think that that would be the first step to making a uh a wider push for this kind of thing, um, because the next step would basically be creating another interface, you know, PSR, whatever, that is, here's your response as the input, and you get a re- uh, or request as your input, and you get a response as the output. And basically, at that point, Stack becomes useless, because Stack would only be a Symphony thing, um, and we would have a first-class Stack that would be basically a PS- uh, PHP fig project that anyone could, you know, be pretty, uh, what's, uh, what's the word? Neutral. Uh, it would be a neutral thing that people could get behind. So in, in many ways, I, I look at Stack as something that's useful now, like in the, in the 
right here and right now, and it can be useful for anyone in, within the Symfony ecosystem. But long term, I I feel like Stack is more of a reference implementation for PHP Fig or someone else to come along and say, here is what we're going to do to standardize the input and output of HTTP requests and responses, uh, build it around an interface, and this is the cool stuff you can do with it if we can if we can actually all agree on that. I think that's the correct, that is the uh, end, isn't it? If we can all agree. Yeah, if is, we can uh, all agree on it. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has their own way of wanting to do things. Um, but then I suppose, uh, with, I think the thing is you were saying composition and being able to actually wrap these, you know, middlewares, mm-hmm. um, because that provides you then almost like the decorator pattern where you're able then to do something before and after the request. And mm-hmm. really, you are free reign to do whatever you want with that. Like, you really do have just these objects that you, you know, you, as long as you delegate to, the what the app that you you actually wrap you can mm-hmm. do whatever you want in there like usually I, i've seen some of the ones uh that you've done like the authorization so you can do authorization you can do logging mm-hmm. uh you can do stuff like oauth i think i saw igor which great things that allow you then to not have to deal with those and yeah and another one was like url mapping where you're able yeah. then to kind of map different these applications which you know require that they are root almost to be but then you can wrap them saying actually you're going to be a blog now and something mm-hmm. like that yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting things that you can do, and I think that you know the more people that are aware of it, the more interesting things that we'll see come from it. There was a, a fly system stack middleware. I wasn't exactly sure what it does, but I think it basically oh, exposes. I think I saw that as well. Yeah, yeah, it exposes the file a RESTful system. API to kind yeah. of yeah. So I mean, there there's all sorts of things that people are trying to do right now that really wouldn't weren't possible before in in a way that could be portable like this where i'm writing this for you know my silex application but you're going to install it in your symphony application and someone else is going to install it for their laravel application and it's it's just it takes the the code sharing and makes it that much easier i mean you still have packages now from composer which is awesome but now you don't have to write it in the glue language of whatever your framework is you don't have you're to write just using the http protocol or, or the response yep. yeah request objects that hopefully one day will be standardized that we yes. can then so another another bigger open source project which you've actually touched on already is uh, sculpting. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like what? So the problem it's trying to solve obviously is something like yeah, similar to Jekyll. But what made you go the PHP route? More your affinity with it, or? Um, yeah. So I, I actually worked with Jekyll quite a bit, and uh, it's it uses Liquid um, as its its templating engine, and it did some weird things with it. Like it wasn't using Liquid's uh, inheritance. Uh, it was basically saying, "Here's your pa- here's your source, or here's your page. Render the body, and then go get a completely different template and inject your body as a variable into the the whatever the layer or whatever the layout was." Um, so you you would lose some of the abilities that Liquid had for actually doing template inheritance and passing variables and passing things in a way that w- made more sense. Um, and I really couldn't find a way to fix that. And I didn't really want to spend a lot of time on it. And I actually did spend quite a bit of time working in Jekyll. And I sent a couple of pull requests. One waited like nine months before it got any love at all. And I, w- I got so frustrated because the response was, can you add a test? And then closed it. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Wow. So I, I added a test within like five hours, I would guess. Like I did it really quickly because I'm like, ah, this is merge day for Jekyll. I better hurry. 
and then and it I don't remember if it ever got merged or if it was another six months. It was it was long enough that I'm like, you know what, this is not going to work for me. So um, I'd actually been kind of shopping around for a, a new framework anyway um, in in PHP land because I, I had a couple of my own. Like everyone has, you know, one or two frameworks behind it's them. What you do, it's what yeah, you do. It's what you do, and I'd, I'd been kind of um, shopping around for Symphony and kind of paying attention there. And I had this idea that um, maybe I could do something with Symphony, but I didn't really know what to do. Uh, it was right around the same time that I found out about Composer and started looking at Composer. I think that was right before Symphony switched to using Composer for its, its distribution, like 2.2 or whatever it was, 2.3 maybe. Um, and I was like, oh, look, this is a command line application you written using just a couple of the symphony components maybe i could do that too and i thought well maybe i could rewrite jekyll in php and that sort of it started as like a little test hobby project and um, kind of exploded from there and now it's relatively big <laughs> for a, a, a one-person cool, project yeah. so i mean it's like code wise it's big there's a lot of pieces to it and it it, it i i think it's on its second big version now like i completely rewrote it to be less like Composer and more like a Symfony full-stack application. So it's actually built around Symfony's HTTP kernel now, even though it doesn't use any of the web stuff. Which that is, is one very of, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the reasons I'm actually very vocal about getting rid of the HTTP kernel interface from kernel, because kernel is awesome. Uh, there's, uh, the, the quote I like to use is there's a, uh, a comment somewhere that says that HB kernel is the heart of a symphony application. Uh, it is a bundle. Uh, it is a uh, collection of bundles or something like that. I don't remember the exact quote, but that was basically it is that a symphony application is a collection of bundles. And that's basically the heart of a symphony application. So kernel is awesome. Kernel interface is awesome, but the two aren't the same to me. <laughs> like they shouldn't be tied together. Like there could be there is a disjoint. There is yeah, disconnect yeah. between the two that you can yeah that should yeah. be. So I've I've actually have a lot of extra dependencies in Sculpin right now because of because of uh, Symphony's HTTP kernel. But I sort of wrote those off as okay. Well, I really really want kernel. I really want to be able to use Symphony bundles as a first class plugin mechanism and a first class extension mechanism for Sculpin. Um, so I kind of just decided to do that and. <laughs> live live with the consequences of extra dependencies. No, well, I mean, you know, memory is cheap. Yeah, as a, yeah, I suppose when you because you obviously because you distribute this as a par file. Yep. And then yeah, uh, what's the size of that par file like at the moment? Is it? I want to say it's like two megs. Oh, that we can we can live with two megs. People yeah. can live with two megs. You know, if, it, if it's global as well, you know, you can live with two megs. Yeah. Let's see here. Oh, yeah. So it's it's uh it's two megs. No, three. Let's see, two point nine megs. Oh, I'm sorry, That's we can't right. deal with that now. No, I have yeah, two no, megs, not but gonna work. yeah, not going <laughs> to. That extra, you know. Yeah. Well, it, so one, uh, so one of my other projects that uh, it's kind of interesting that came from Sculpin. So th there were two reasons I wrote Sculpin. One was because I wanted to do Symphony components, and this seemed like a great way to do it. The other was that I really liked Composer. And oh, I, is this an embedded composer? Yes, one it's of, embedded yes. composer. So that awesome. was the other big thing that uh, really drove me to do this. I thought, well, I'm going to write an application that can embed composer in it um, and found all sorts of awesomeness, like the fact that uh, 
you have to resolve dependencies against the dependencies that are already resolved at runtime. So uh, it was it was a lot of fun to come up with that. So that was that was the other the other big thing. And I used to not distribute Composer as a far, and um, I think it was Igor actually that gave me a hard time because he installed uh, he installed a Sculpin project and uh, basically said current status installing the internet because uh, I think Sculpin has like. 45, 48 dependencies right now. So, like, if you do a, a composer install, or if you do a um, composer install on a site that uses Sculpin as a dependency instead of using the actual FAR, you get this huge, long-running list of everything that Sculpin uses. And it wasn't really good user experience. Um, so, that's between that and the fact that, you know what, I really got to put my money where my mouth is and start distributing Sculpin as a FAR, so that people have to to realize that hey you know what there's actually embedded composer here and i can extend it that way and i don't have to rely on downloading composer itself first um yeah so that, that's kind of where where that came from no it's a very very cool project very cool project there's at least one other project now using it like a big project builder uh, BLDR. Oh, yeah is that the one for the part actually building par files uh see, to create I... Uh, builder.io I, it's a task runner php oh. task runner so there's box box is a project oh, box that's the one yes yeah. creating up the path files. yeah but bldr.io um is is the project that uses embedded composer right now so they they um i, I don't know too much about the project i haven't been i haven't used it myself but it looks like it's somewhat similar to sculpin in that it's goals are sort of the same, that they want to be able to distribute a FAR that's basically just a, an application that can be run um, and then extend it at runtime in some So way. I think that's a great, yeah, that, I mean, I think you've actually hit a very good generic kind of embedded compose. you know, people do need that and mm -hmm. it's a very good thing to solve is that, you know, having these PAR files are great, you know, being able yeah. just to download a PAR file and use it almost like a unit facility mm -hmm. is a very cool thing to be able to do. But yeah. obviously, when you're developing it and when you want to actually, you know, be able to, uh, you know, kind of upgrade it and also, you know, just extend it, you want to be able to use all the comforts we have with Composer and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, Mickey. Hello, Mickey. Hello. Hello. So, yeah. Hello. Uh, any questions? Well, I was just going to ask, uh, I know we touched on it before, but um, uh, with your own uh, consultancy, company and everything i mean how what made you decide to to go into that from having worked at um i know you mentioned you had the uh couple of jobs before that is that right and then you moved into this what how did that all come about um i was just really optimistic and yeah probably wrongly so <laughs> <laughs> um I, I i'm still learning a lot about how to do this and um, mm. I, I, I fell into the trap of basically having a full-time job with a client. Um, and right. so that's why this year I've been focusing on uh, actually trying to build a client list and work with people and find new people to work with. Mm. Um, because basically since 2005, um, I've, I had one big client that basically kept me going the whole time. And I would get little little gigs here and there on top of that, but for the most part, that was basically a full time job, right? Which 
doesn't really help me as a consultant, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I'm learning. So I, I'm I'm starting to figure out um, that I don't want to do that again. Like if if yeah. I if I'm going to get a full time job, I'll get a full time job. Yeah. But, um, I guess that kind of puts you in a risky situation as well, where if you lose that big client, then what have you got to fall back on? I guess. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and and that actually happened last August, right when we moved. Um, yeah. I, I've been moving a lot, and we've actually been we we lived somewhere until about a week ago, and so I lived there for mm-hmm. a year. Uh, but right right before we moved, um, I would say fifteen days before we moved, I got the call that yeah, that there wasn't going to be any more work for me, <laughs> and I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> yeah. So uh, it did put me in a bad position. So I basically since then I've been trying to decide am i going to go am i going to make a go for at this and make this work or am i going to get a full-time job and just get be an employee i think it's a really tricky trade-off isn't it i mean being a freelancer for me is uh was probably one of my dreams and perhaps one of the reasons why i pursued this career but at the same time it you know you you don't have the security if you do the the freelance route Mm -hmm. but then the benefits are that you to a certain extent, obviously your customer is your boss, but you can do things the way you want to do it. And uh, yeah, I, I guess there's less compromise on, on quality when, I mean, we've talked about it a hundred times before, like working in an agency environment where, where time is king and so many times that the code suffers because you're meeting a deadline. Mm-hmm. But, and I, you know, I guess for you, timelines are still critical, perhaps even more so, but you've got more flexibility to do things the way you want to do it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there there are definitely trade offs there, and that, that's the other thing that I think I've decided this year is that I'm, I'm going to focus more on projects that will let me do that. Yeah. And if if it looks like someone is going to be too aggressive on their timeline or aren't really fully appreciating the amount of work that needs to be done, yeah. that I I shouldn't be a part of that project. Like I, that I can need, be very stressful. It can be very stressful, and it can it'll keep me from finding other projects that won't be. And yeah. so if I spend all my time constantly chasing after these things that, you know, are just yeah. basically sucking time out of my life, then it's it's not going to get me where I want to be. So, Yeah. Yeah, and I find as well, I mean, I, I try not to do any freelance work now, but I, I, get, I come up with so many ideas of things I want to do just for fun and just... Mm-hmm. The kind of stuff that I got into programming for in the first place, but when you're doing the freelance work, that takes up plenty of free time. And I mean, I, I, looking at your CV of stuff that you've done, I don't know how you find the time to to balance kind of your work and the stuff that you know really interests you. I guess. Yeah, well, it it can be very very hard. I mean, it's hard for everybody. And for, yeah. for me, you know, Sculpin's really taken off this year. Yeah, and I've hardly been able to work on it. And it, it kills me <laughs> because there's like yeah. people actively using it now. And they're like talking about it. And I'm like, ah, but there's those bugs in it. And there's these yeah. things that need to change. And yeah. I can't do anything about it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, 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 there's like the whole feast or famine thing. And right now I'm sort of in a, uh, a feast phase with, with the consulting work. And it's, it means I'm putting off a bunch of these other things that I really would like to work on, like do more work with stack make the website better, make sure that it's easier for people to find middlewares, make sure uh, people find it easier to understand what it is. Like even the website, like if you go to the Stack website right now, uh, Igor and I and um, a couple of other people put in a lot of time in making it 
look right, but are sort of say what it is, but I think that people still go there and they're confused and they don't understand, like, how is this useful? Why is this important? Why do I need this right now? And so, like, there's a lot of stuff like that that is missing, um, and I just, I can't do anything about it. And, you know, because I, I have other things I need to do, so. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even just in this podcast, I mean, uh, just listening to you guys talking, I can think of uh, just a list of things I want to be learning. I mean, I still not play with Python or, or Ruby, and uh, you know, I'm jealous of Fraser getting to play with C Sharp. Um, <laughs> this is just and, and Symphony. Obviously, Ed's on my case now about learning about Symphony and uh, just finding the time to do all those things. I, and I'm still, by and large, a PHP and, and Java guy, really. Uh, and a, you know, a bit of JavaScript. And... It's a good job you haven't got had a baby and, you know, you enjoy <laughs> Tell that me about life. It. Yeah, That's real life. Though. Real life is more Obviously, fun than programming. I love all that, but I guess I always feel that pressure that I, should, I need to be learning more. And uh, that's, that's the program. That that's the developer curse, though. You know, the more you know, the more you know you you don't know, which is the saying that everyone. I mean, that's in any yeah. field, like you know. And I think that's the craving to know more. I think is yeah, a gift and a curse. Are yeah. are any of you going to Symphony Live in London? Uh, I am actually yes. Uh, the company I work for is actually sponsoring. Uh, Symphony Live. So yeah, I will see. I'll be hoping to see your uh, talk. Nice. You're talking about uh, Stack and everything. Would be very cool. Yep. Yeah, I'm looking really forward to that. So when is this happening? Uh, September 24th and 25th, or something like that. Yeah, end of September yeah. time. Yeah. I think September yeah. too soon. <laughs> September too soon. <laughs> well, Have you been able to uh, uh, practice the talk on local new uh, group? No, no. You're just no. gonna. Well, actually, there's. Uh, um, I am giving it in milwaukee in two weeks i think so that that will be my my big trial run i i've been pitching stack as a talk for a year now and so this was the first time that i got selected i'm looking to forward to it it's yeah so i'm very cool yeah so I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to it and i i love symphony live conferences um i, I was a little bummed symphony live new york i've been waiting for the next new uh u.s symphony live um because the last one was like last may so I kept thinking, when, the, when is it? When is it coming? When is it coming? And finally, found out like I don't know, like a month ago, that it's going to be in New York at the end of October, um, and or middle middle of October, and it's the day before my sister's wedding. No! So, <laughs> oh, that is a dilemma. dilemma. Yeah, it's it's not really a dilemma. It's just a really big downer. So I'm excited. My sister's getting married, but I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm is, as disappointed oh. as the excitement and <laughs> not getting to go. Oh dear! Yeah, they're so they're already timing. nervous that I'm going to be at uh, that. I'm actually going to London with my family. Uh, my wife and my son are going to come with me uh, for Sony cool. Live, and um, they're my my sister and my mom and dad are already nervous that we're going to be gone up until the week before the wedding. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, you could yeah. There's no yeah. way of even scraping anything in. <laughs> yeah, I I know. I think uh, listening on the podcast that your uh, Dave. I think is also mm-hmm. co- is also going to do a talk. Yep, yep. Dave, as well. Dave's going to be doing a talk as well. He's doing cool. on uh, fakes Mo- and yeah, fakes mocks and yeah, stubs. Yeah. So yeah, we were we're both excited that we're gonna you know we're gonna be able to see each other again because we haven't seen each other since Portland last year. So and always, and, stre- and always with the stress of having to do a talk, it seems that's yep. how you do it. You know. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, have you? Uh, I think you played with. Um, like Laravel, or, or have you strictly been Symphony? And yeah, I um, I'm not actually. Uh, I haven't used Laravel. 
And I've maybe made two total applications of the Symphony full stack. Right. Uh, I'm one of those people who, I, I don't know how many of us there are, but I'm a Symphony person who doesn't use Symphony. <laughs> You're a Symphony Components guy. That I'm is... a Symphony Components person. And uh, so I, I do almost everything in Silex. So if I'm going to build a web web app, almost everything is going to be in Silex. Um, I, I actually prefer to do most of my code in um, isolated from the framework, uh, frame, framework agnostic packages and things like that. So um, Silex makes it really easy to do that and to basically build the application really easily and then you can do whatever you want to after that. You can basically take it and turn it into um, controllers or services um, and leave them in Silex or you can then go and do a full stack uh, full stack Symphony application if you want to. Um, but I, I haven't done anything with Laravel yet um, which I, 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 it's probably well past time for me to at least try. <laughs> um, but yeah. So yeah, I, I, I do almost everything at Silex right now. So I, I don't do a whole lot in Symphony Full Stack. I haven't done anything with Laravel or any of the other frameworks. I've looked a little bit at, at Aura components. Um, someone finally created a stack wrapper for Aura, I believe, uh, which I thought was something that I could do to sort of jump into yeah, Aura. That would but, be a very good, yeah. Like... Yeah, um, but uh, I, I didn't end up having the time. But I just saw someone retweet recently an old message saying that someone had done that. So I should check into that a little bit more. But yeah, otherwise, I haven't really done anything with any of the other big frameworks. I think the last big one that I used was Code Igniter. Code Igniter. Um, I was just about to say, were you a Code Igniter person back in the day? Yeah, I was. I was a Code Igniter person for about a year. Like that's I, a sore I, topic for me right now. But yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you're still uh, going to get three. You will get three. It will happen. I just uh, reluctantly agreed to do some freelance work, and I inherited this code base, and it's all in Code Igniter. And <laughs> if I ever needed to pick me up about my own code, this was just perfect. It was, it was horrible, really bad. Nice. But that's not really Code Igniter's fault, to be fair. It was the program I did the code. But so I was like, yeah, so Silex uses the, um, the pimple, uh, IOC yep. container. That's very cool. I had limited experience with that, but I found it was very easy to use and very nice. So yeah, I'll have to have yeah. a little play with that myself. Yeah, it took me a little while to get used to it. Um, but mostly because you lose all code intelligence with it. It's <laughs> kind of a bummer. Um, yeah. But it's also just really easy to use. You just, I, I don't know. I, I, I find it yeah. very easy to get behind. So it looks very lightweight as well, not too in- intrusive. Yeah. Yeah. I know that other people are, think poorly of it for various reasons, but I think that, um, cause it, it's one of the, it's, you know, the whole DI IOC stuff. I don't always follow exactly why it's important, which things are which. <laughs> um, and <laughs> you can abuse Pimple a lot. And I think that most people do. Um, I abuse it. And when I abuse it, it's, I, I'm doing it on purpose. Like I know what I'm doing when I'm abusing Pimple. Um, I think that that's not always true of everybody. And it just prop, it helps propagate, uh, bad practices if people start seeing that. So it, it's just really, Pimple is really cool, really powerful, really lightweight, but I think it's really easy to use. So I think that some people can look at that as like, well, it's not a good, it's not a good container. Cool. I've, Ed, have you used Silex then? Uh, I have a little bit, only, only in side projects, because obviously being the symphony and all that fun stuff, like, I think, yeah, I think it's funny because I've, I, I kind of have a weird 
like with PHP in the PHP world, mine was Code Igniter, Laravel, and then I've almost kind of gone back and uh, gone into Symphony, where finding out that a lot of obviously the Symphony components are used in Laravel, uh, and actually taking advantage of the Symphony components on their own, as like you were saying, like you know using being able to use the console component on its own and stuff like that, and browser, it's just amazing. Like I mean, you know, the ability that to be able to use these things and compose them yourself, kind of create your own framework out of these things um ag- agnostic of you know a framework and it's such is quite awesome have either of you looked at uh open cfp it's chris hartjes's application oh i haven't no worries. um it's a uh it's a bunch of the applications have or a bunch of the conferences that i've been submitting to recently have started to switch to it finally i think he wrote it specifically for the true north call for papers um but i know that uh what was it uh sunshine php last year used it um lone star php was using it and i've seen it like like probably another four or five conferences this year are using it but i started pulling that app apart not pulling it apart really but just like basically opening up random files to see what made it and yeah basically he did just that he took a bunch of components (laughs) and built his own framework and yeah yeah, and i think it i think it's using some some of uh the illuminate components it's definitely using some of the the um symphony components but there's n- there's no Silex, there's no full stack app, there's no full stack Symphony anywhere, no framework bundle. Um, there's no, uh, I don't think there's any of like the, the 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 core Laravel stuff. I think it's all components. So you saw the components yeah. out of it. Yeah, you can get some of them have been completely yep. agnostic to the framework. Yeah. So I mean, it was really cool to see that they just basically he and I think he said that Adam Culp helped uh, do the core of it. Basically started it. Um, and since then, a bunch of people have been contributing to it, but they just wrote it from basically from scratch, which surprised me. I don't really have that in me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I have full time job, a baby. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, I I find other really crazy things to do with my free time, but you know, if if I'm going to build a new application from scratch, I'm not going to build it from scratch. You know, I'll just slap uh, you know a Silic app on it, <laughs> call it good, and it does a bunch of stuff for me and. I, I guess we all have different le- layers of, or different levels of, you know, how much the framework does for you. <laughs> so I usually think, I usually think of Silex as pretty low on the stack of, yeah, and I'm like, wow, okay, well, there's still people just starting from scratch and building up. So it's, it's almost like a shopping cart ready, though. You just go on GitHub now and you can just shopping cart, chuck that in, I want that, that, and then build the framework, you know? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Well, guys, I think we have just come up to the hour mark, and uh, we don't want to keep both for hours. I'm sure you've got stuff to do. And uh... I have so I've re- one more question. I'm really sorry. Um, sure. Just because fellow podcaster, I, I would mm-hmm. love to know how how have you uh, been able to juggle podcasting? How how what's your experience been with podcasting? We uh, I don't know uh, if you were like us. We we were podcasting newbies when we first started off. Like yeah. October of last year. Wow, it's time's flown now. Yeah, nice. um, just one like you know how you know what what what's your prep? You know how you do podcasts? Like what's your you know setup like, etc. And yeah, so so we're we're up to episode six now, and so we we we're we're very very new still. So it's been uh it's been a lot of fun. Um, right right now we're doing the the we're each recording our own channel. That's why you sound so good. That's why you sound so good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, and Dave does all of the audio processing. So uh, 
I have nothing to do with why we sound so good except for me clicking record <laughs> on my side right now. So, so um, you know, we've done a lot of uh, done a lot of experimentation, and a couple of the episodes have sounded kind of weird. Like depending on the the, the processing, sometimes we'll just sort of trail off, and sometimes we do that naturally. You know, at the end of a sentence or whatever, you start to get a little quieter. But um, we know, or I know that that's like a compressor setting or something like that, that it's being a little too aggressive on certain things. Um, so we, we've been struggling through those sorts of, of little oddities, but Dave's been doing a really good job of that. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, I love the fact of, you've got a uh, episode zero as well. You know it's yeah. a programmer behind <laughs> it with that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, we, we were on the fence as to whether or not we should publish that one, but I thought that would be pretty awesome. Just, you know, it's very and awesome. so that's, that's the, the interesting thing that I found about it is that I found it really, I've, I've found talking to him to be really comfortable. Yeah. Um, what people probably don't know is that other than talking to him at Portland last year, I had never talked to him voice before episode. Really? So wow. if you listen to episode zero, we have that like we have this like rapport that I think is just great, and like you know I didn't know what it was going to be like when I first talked to him because uh, I was actually in Seattle at the time and we just had this little five minute recording and I thought it was it went really well and it's basically been like that ever since. But yeah, we we hadn't talked voice other than meeting in Portland like over a year before we started podcasting. So uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun. We had an idea for what we wanted to do with the format. Um, we kind of wanted to be more like discussion based, life based things, a uh, bunch of, uh, not a bunch, but some of the other podcasts that we'd sort of like looked at or that I had started to find were more topic based, um, yeah. and, or, or almost like teaching based, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really want to do that necessarily. Like, uh, so- someone was in an IRC channel today and said, oh, I should start a podcast, but I don't know enough about this topic. Like, I, I think this, t- a podcast about this topic would be great, but I don't know enough about it. And I sort of feel that way about myself a little bit, but I also didn't feel like there's any topic that is strong enough to stand yeah. up to that. Um, or even to find a topic every week or every two weeks or whatever. Um, so we, we sort of have a general idea, like we're going to talk about whatever this episode. Um, but that's usually like just like a, a, the, at the end of the episode, if we still have time, uh, we'll talk about that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I have a lot of podcasts to catch up on. Like basically, uh, I, I think I mentioned that he first told me about texting in like December or January. And, um, I hadn't really listened to podcasts before that. So since then I found all of these other, you know, PHP podcasts <laughs> and, and things like that. And, yeah. yeah. And I'm yeah. like, all right, well, how do I keep up with them? And before I was driving to Madison, it was like a 40 minute drive each direction. Um, so I was actually able to keep caught up with a bunch of them. And now um, I've moved to Madison and have this awesome basement office that uh, has walls. <laughs> what was the whiteboard that you can do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Very I, uh, cool. I don't know when I'm going to listen to podcasts now, so I, I have to figure that out. and might have to go for a walk. I think just go for a walk. Make yourself yeah. walk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what Dave does. Actually, he says that he listens to podcasts when he goes for a walk with the dog. So I might have to yeah. start doing that. Great idea. Well, Bye. Thanks so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate you giving up your free time to come on. And uh, for anyone who's listening, who wants to uh, know more about what Bo does, uh, your website is dflydev.com. Is that right? Uh, yep. Dragonfly Development. Yep, and uh, yeah, uh, the podcast is thatpodcast.io. 
Yep. Oh, yep. Uh, and yeah, and Bo's going to be talking at Symphony Live. Uh, so get your tickets for that. And you'll also be able to meet our very own Ed Mann. Hello. Uh, I'm sure I'll, I'll wave. Might be a reason really to avoid it, but uh, yeah. You do, but, yeah, you don't want to meet me. If you want to meet him, <laughs> he's a thoroughly nice guy, really. Uh, yes. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you guys so much for having me on. I really oh, really it's been awesome. It's been ours. really great. Yeah. Was there any? I should ask, Bo. Is there anything you wanted to uh, promote? Not that we have millions of listeners, but uh, anyone who do anything that you wanted to promote, or have I covered everything there for you? No, I think you covered everything. Bo.io is my personal website. So okay. Yeah. Defly.dev.com is uh, for Dragonfly Development, my consulting company. Bo.io is my personal website. Has a bunch, has has most of my talks and everything on it. And, other contact information so oh, that's really cool and we'll put everything in the show notes as well so absolutely cool. uh awesome. anything you need to mention before we no i just say thank you for coming on it's been awesome yeah. um really big fan of your work and i love the podcast and i look forward to seeing you in set well next next month wow that yeah is, it's time like is I said, fine it's september Tuesday. yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh awesome. i look forward to the sp- i look forward to the talk awesome well thank All you right. again thank you and uh thanks for listening guys we'll be back next week Cheers. Bye. You've been listening to Three Devs and a Maybe. You can contact us at contact at threedevsandamaybe.com or follow us on Twitter at the number three devs and a maybe. <laughs>